interviews and insights with the biggest names in Canadian baseball. This is the CBN Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to episode, I think, 26 of the Canadian Baseball Network Podcast, Jackson. Yeah, great to be back for another episode, Matt, as the summer rolls on, as the baseball season rolls on, lots to talk about here. Yeah, we're just, uh, I think, five days away from the MLB draft, and I know uh, we'll be doing a draft recap episode. But first, let's talk a little bit about the guys that are currently in the big leagues. Um, That's what today's episode is going to be all about, kind of looking over their seasons at the unofficial halfway point. You know, Matt, this might be a bit of a long episode because there are a lot of guys uh, playing uh, in the bigs now representing Canada, and that hasn't always been the case. Yeah, and I think, you know what, it's uh, there's a lot of interesting stories. So, you know, a couple of debuts, um, some guys back in the big leagues that were down, some guys that are down that were up. So, yeah, we're going to dive into all that, and uh, there's a lot to get to, so let's get started. All right, well, we might as well start, Jackson. I don't think there's anywhere better to start than a friend of the show. At least we call him a friend, uh, Matt Brash out in Seattle. Obviously, last year, uh, start he had, and then uh, he got to pitch in the playoffs against Toronto, right? And we obviously talked to him, uh, gosh, it was a while ago now. Uh, it was a winter ago, or I guess uh, really last, yeah, about a year and a half ago now uh, for the Kingston native. And a guy who, you know, is, is putting up... Uh, some decent numbers you know the biggest thing with brash is just trying to you know limit those walks as much as he can right trying to keep uh, his whip down as much as he can in that bullpen you know another product of that what has become a bit of a factory over there in seattle yeah and i think the toronto blue jays know all too well about that bullpen yeah. out in seattle um yeah the last time we talked to him it was he had gotten called up at the end of the 2021 season yes. and he hadn't actually pitched so he talked a little bit about being in that playoff push seattle didn't make the playoffs that year and obviously last year we saw him pitch at Rogers Center in the playoffs. The numbers that jump out for Brash, obviously we've heard about his slider. Everyone knows about that devastating slider. 60 strikeouts in 34 and two-thirds innings pitch. So that's exactly what you're looking for out of a reliever. Um, like you said, you got to – wants to watch the walks, but when you're punching out that many guys, 3.63 ERA, you know, he's uh, he's having a pretty good season. Yeah, I mean, the slider is, is clearly his – his uh his weapon right his big out pitch and it's like it's just a frisbee slider and and the thing is too you know he he sure throws it he's got a lot of velo right on his fastball too which always helps you know to to work off the the fastball with the slider and you know there was also talk i mean that he might be a starter one day maybe that dream is still alive we'll see uh but i think he's done a pretty good job into the pen this year matt and i think that'll only continue as he develops i mean god what is he 25 he just turned 25 in may um, you know, so he's still super, super, super young. So I think that starter's dream is would still maybe be alive. I guess we'll see. But yeah, he's a great story, right? Because well, you remember when we talked to him, he was like, yeah, during the lockdown, I just like went to a mound and just threw all day. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> and and now he's like a huge part of, you know, Canada's future as a pitcher. I mean, he was he was their closer at the World Baseball Classic. You know, um, he's off to a great start in his career. I, I just find like that story of him just out there by himself throwing and, and now to what he is in the bigs, throwing that Frisbee slider, like you said, it's just an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, and, and you look at Seattle having a little bit of a disappointing season so far, but he's been a big part of it. You know, the starter talk, I don't know, you know, who, who knows what the future may hold. But when you're throwing 100 and you got a slider like that, you can have two pitches coming out of the bullpen. It, it might be too tough for them to move him to start back to being a starter. You look at a guy like Nate Pierce with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, he's kind of, you know 
wedged out a, a spot in that bullpen. They thought he was going to be a starter for a long time. Still obviously could be still very young, just like brash, but you know, when you find success like this, sometimes it's better to leave it the, leave it the way it is than try to, you know, force him into a role that, you know, you think you'd like to have him in. Well, I guess if we're going to talk about the blue Jays, I mean, we might as well talk about their Canadians, you know, Jordan Romano, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So let's uh, dive into the blue Jays a little bit here, Jackson. Yeah, why don't we continue with the bullpen talk and and talk about Jordan Romano here? You know, we were talking about Brash being a guy who throws 100 with a good slider. Well, <laughs> Romano, a pretty similar uh, uh, pitching repertoire. For, you know, this year he's been, um, I mean, his numbers, if you look at them, will be a little bit perhaps high. Uh, you know, his, his ERA is up to 312 on the year. You know, he's <laughs> he, he had the, it wasn't a blown save on Sunday. Uh, it was a tie game. Uh, and he allowed a home run on the first pitch he threw to Alex Verdugo. Um, so recency bias would <laughs> maybe not uh, the best time to talk about Romano. But yeah, I mean, obviously what he's been able to do, you know, kind of since he he got to Toronto, became a top 10 closer in the in the bigs the last couple of years. And this year, I mean, he was an all-star last year. I think that this year, you know, I, I think part of it is just a little bit of bad luck. I think it's, it's also hard in... As a closer, you know, you're those those things are gonna happen. And when you have an ounce of bad luck, you know what I mean, it is really exposed. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, you talk about his ERA at three twelve. I mean, that's still damn good. Uh, yeah. but that just goes to show that people are kind of thinking that he's, his numbers are a little bit elevated because of how good he's been in his career. Mm-hmm. Obviously a two point six eight or ERA, sorry, eighty-five saves. He's got twenty-four this year. Um yeah, and, and again, people will say, and I've heard this before, and I've heard you know pitchers talk about this, closers that come in in non-save situations, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the numbers back this fully. I haven't completely dove into it. But a lot of the times it seems like they just don't perform as well when that you know the pressure isn't on in a save situation. Obviously, the pressure is on on, on Sunday with Verdugo. Um, but yeah, it just seems like there's something about you know that closer mindset that you know the numbers are definitely elevated when they're not in a save situation. So Scott Carson, who works on the Blue Jays telecasts, uh, he tweeted out on July 2nd, uh, Blue Jays closer Jordan Romano by situation this season. Save, 267 ERA, 619 opposing OPS, 0.33 home runs per nine. Non-save, 470 ERA, 855 opponent OPS, and a 352 home run per nine. Wow. So that's the numbers, in fact, do back up what you're saying there, Matt, big time. That that's great because I I didn't want to get caught uh, <laughs> making this up, but it, uh, that just was from my personal perspective of watching the game and being involved in the game. But yeah, obviously Scott Carson there, he's the stats guru, the all knowing Blue Jay stats man. You know, shedding some light on those numbers and that's staggering. It it really is. So, but yeah, I, you know what, Romano's been still been very solid this year, and um, you know, we're talking about the bullpen. You know, Brash Romano. How about the uh, next World Baseball Classic? We could have a little setup man closer there. <laughs> no kidding. Nice back end of the bullpen. And, and you know, that's the thing with with Jordan. You talk about the expectations for him. I think they're just sky high. And, you know, he's the hometown kid, right? Like, what a great story he's become over the last couple of years, you know, as he's taken over as the closer. He Look, he is leading uh, the bigs in saves this year. Right. So that's pretty impressive in and of itself. Now, of course, the save stat is often determined by, you know, obviously you need opportunity. Right. And if you're on a team like this, that, that, you know, we, we talked about in our last episode, they win by usually pretty small amounts because they're not scoring a lot of runs. So he's going to get a lot of save opportunities, but you still got to give him credit. You know, he can't control that. 
Um, you know, one thing that we should keep an eye on with Romano, as well as Brash, these guys, you know, it's going to be the workload, right? Especially for Romano. You know, we've seen it past years where, you know, when the Jays use their their bullpen a lot, like you look at Eric Swanson. To me, he seems like a guy last week, he looks a little tired, looks a little worn out. Uh, maybe that's the same thing with Romano, although he hasn't been pitching quite as much, I don't think. But, you know, that's one thing to definitely keep an eye on here as we've crossed now the halfway point. Okay. Um, he's on pace for about the same amount of innings that he pitched last year, 64. He's up to 34 and two thirds. Yeah. And I think the, when you talk about, you know, Swanson, maybe looking a little tired or, you know, whatever the case may be, as you kind of head into the all-star break. Uh, the other thing is Romano's gotten up a lot in the bullpen. And, and that's something that maybe the casual fan doesn't fully understand is, you know, you're still getting up, you're still getting your body loose. You're still mentally getting focused into the game. Um, you're getting physically prepared. Just because you don't get in the game doesn't mean that that doesn't also take its toll over the course of the season. You know, your managers typically try to really limit that sort of thing, especially with you know guys like closers that they're going to need in certain situations. So that also plays a bit of a factor. And when you're playing so many close games, like we just mentioned, I mean, he's going to be up a lot. Like I don't know what the exact numbers are. Maybe maybe Carson can get us those numbers, um, but that definitely plays a takes a toll on the body over the course, especially over the course of six months. You're so right. Like casual fans might not know how much that that factors in you yourself would know. And I think too, like that's been a problem the last couple of years. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, from a organizational perspective, how they try to battle that. But one thing to know with Romano, uh, just looking here, like in 64 innings last year, he allowed four home runs in 34 and two thirds this year, he's allowed four home runs. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> home runs, like it's, you know, Obviously, part of it is is just maybe bad luck to a degree. Maybe a little bit of positive regression could be coming for Romano, and maybe he'll only end up allowing, you know, five or six, and then it's kind of a moot point. But still, you know, that's been a bit of a concern with him this year is he has been hit a little harder, perhaps, than years past, but he's still got that awesome fastball. He's still got that uh, what is sort of an average slider, but because he works it off the fastball so well, it it, it works for him, and it's not a terrible pitch. Does he get a little slider happy sometimes? Game goes a lot deeper than that, a lot more ins and outs than just sitting there watching it on TV. So, you know, a, a big part of Canada's pitching future, as you said, although the guy is 30 now, uh, but still for relievers, that's that's honestly pretty young. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, as we said, uh, let's see maybe next World Baseball Classic where we're at. Um, sticking with the bullpen, I know we want to stick specifically with guys that are currently in the big leagues, but I think we need to touch on Zach Pop a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't believe he's pitched since May 4th, I believe was his last outing. Started off really hot, um, was one of the most reliable re relievers of this Blue Jays bullpen and then kind of tapered off mm -hmm. um, there before he he, I, he injured his groin, I believe, and then he's been, been down since then. But um, yeah, you know, if he could regain any of that form that he had early in the season, you know, he could be useful, you know, down the stretch for the Blue Jays. Like he, he pops a guy who, with the amount of control he has moving forward, he's only got a, a just uh, like under two years of service time. You know, and he's a guy who's only 26, right? And um, he's got a really interesting repertoire, right? The sinker slider combination, sort of like a Clay Holmes kind of thing, where he's got the very hard, like a bowling ball sinker it's like he can get it up to like 98 99 and with the slider that he can play off of that like it's really you know that can be really really effective right like we've seen clay holmes do that 
whatever role that leads him to, whether that's maybe he's like a middle reliever, right? Maybe he's more of like a fifth, sixth inning kind of guy, right? To bridge you to the back end of the bullpen. Maybe he eventually becomes part of the back end of your bullpen. You know, last year when he came to Toronto from the trade from Miami, it was him and Bass coming back for Groshans. Um, you know, he he pitched a 189 ERA in 19 innings, right? To wrap up, what was a pretty good year for him last year, 277 ERA. So he's a guy with a ton of upside here. I really like his repertoire. I think there's a lot to like here. And I think the future is quite bright here for pop. Yeah, I think I really think, and every time I watch him, I think that slider has to play at this level uh, or not slider. Sorry. The sinker. Um, and his off speed took some, some steps forward. You saw it early in the year. So I, you know, obviously not up right now, but I still think he's a piece uh, going forward for this blue Jays team. Yeah. And like whenever he does return from injury, you know, is he a guy you stash in Buffalo for an injury, right? Or maybe some poor player, what have you. Uh, you know, is he probably going to be a September call up? Like, again, we'll see that's far away. You never know what the Jays do with their pitching staff and their bullpen and deadline and stuff like get a little farther. Pop could be maybe even a guy who's thrown into a trade at some level. Like you never know. Uh, but he is a guy like if he sticks around, you know, and he's a local kid, right? Again, like, like the Romano thing. Now that doesn't mean that you have to keep him around or anything, but it's just, it's just another great story. Could you imagine one day, like, you know, in the postseason or maybe not like just an important game, uh, it's Zach Pop, like in the seventh, eighth, and then Romano in the ninth. You know what I mean? Like a hometown uh, back end of the bullpen. Like just dreaming of stuff like that is really cool to think about. The fact that it actually could happen is is a really really cool story and something that you know we haven't seen really in a in a maybe ever with the Jays where you have these like really like local guys who could not just be like you know the the first guy sent down to Buffalo which I guess is kind of what pop has been, you know, um, but maybe a guy who can work his way into a prominent role in this bullpen. It would be really interesting to see a couple local guys back there. Um, and again, you know, as we look ahead to the next world baseball classic, here's another guy. Yeah. And I, I mean, as, as I kind of prepared for this episode, I I'm going through these names and I'm thinking, damn, like what could a world baseball classic team for Canada really look like? A little bit frustrating, I think, almost, but uh, exciting that these guys, these Canadians, are in the big leagues representing Canada. But it would nice to see, be, see them all on one team. One of those guys that and this won't happen would be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm. Um, so obviously, casual fans may not know, born in Montreal, um, could play for Canada, the World Baseball Classic. He was going to play for the Dominican, but lots of talk about Vladdy. The home home run streak is over. Uh, he has his home runs at Rogers Center. He's starting to heat up a little bit now, so that's good to see. Yeah, and it, you knew it was going to happen at some point. It was just a matter of when. I think when we we both sounded pretty uh, perplexed on that uh, last podcast when we talked about Vladdy and his struggles and stuff, especially at home. Uh, he he has really kind of turned it on. I'd say the last week or two, he had a good series against Oakland a couple weeks ago, and uh, in San Francisco, he was okay as well. You know, the the power will hopefully continue. Uh, I think if you're going to, you know, continuously hit a guy. Uh, like him in the middle of your lineup, like he needs to be a hitter, you know? And, and if he's not like, it's just, he is very much, you know, you talk about how Springer is sort of the, the straw that stirs the drink at the top of the lineup. He's Vladdy is such a big part of the heart of this order and he's got to be driving runners in. And uh, for this team to work, he needs to continue to do that. Uh, but from a Canadian perspective, obviously it's, it's really interesting to have him being born in Montreal and, and having the opportunity, maybe if he wanted to represent Canada. Yeah. And you know what? I, we talked about Brash being young. Vladdy's 24. Yeah. <laughs> like, it kind of blows my mind. I kind of forget about that, you know. Mm. 
And we talk about the consistency and I mean, guys hitting 274, 12 home runs. He's driven in, I think 52. Um, but I think that consistency piece, you know, we, we talked about this in the, the blue Jays kind of recap at the, the third of the way through the season when we did it, that's a, that seems like a team problem at this point. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's just Vladdy or that's, uh, yeah. you know, contagious because it seems like it is. Vladdy, you're right. And I think that just speaks to the expectations we have for him. He's got his, you know, his, his OPS is 792. So it's, it's not brutal. Like again, a lot of guys having a down year would then like, that's a down year. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's just the expectations for him at, right. You're right at 24, just so high. And um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he rounds out his season. And if he can put together a nice stretch, I think he, it feels like he's definitely heading in the right direction, I would say. Um, and maybe heading into, you know, as we get into July and into August, Maybe as the ball starts, continues to fly rather, as the weather heats up, um, you know, he really can kind of get going. And I think that that would really energize this team and this lineup. If a guy like Vladdy started to go, obviously, much like we've seen in past seasons. Yeah. So, but let's stay in the AL East um, and another pair of team Canadian teammates uh, with the Boston Red Sox, James Paxton, Nick Pavetta, James Paxton, the American League Pitcher of the Month for June. We might, I might add. Um, so nice to see him get back. Dealt with injuries. Um, it's, it's just nice to see him get back. Started obviously on Friday um, in Toronto. Would have been nice to see him pitch Saturday on Canada Day, but the Boston Red Sox don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, real good numbers: four and one, two point seven zero right over nine starts, fifty innings, and sixty one strikeouts, and a point nine six WHIP. So. Again, nice to see him back. Would have been nice to see him in the World Baseball Classic. I'm probably going to say that 10 times in this episode. Uh, but obviously, he was dealing with some injuries. But that 34 years old, he's, he looks like he's bouncing back. Yeah, that World Baseball Classic uh, note is a, is a very common theme, though, isn't it? You know, we, we go through these guys, and there's a lot of guys who we just don't see in the tournament. Um, it is frustrating for sure. But yeah, in the case of Paxton, he's he's put up, he's quietly or not quietly, put up a very, very solid career here. He's... Uh, be interesting to see if he ever gets to a thousand innings. I think if if health holds up, maybe he's got a chance. You know, and the guy is he's 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 doing a really good job in Boston this year. Um, you know, having what it would be if he was able to continue with a real career year at 34. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Boston stays in the playoff race or or kind of what happens with Paxton at the deadline. You know, is there a team out there who maybe has a need for a starter? Uh, maybe uh, if one of their starters has been struggling now do you trade a guy in division i think boston is contending and stuff so it, i'm not saying paxton the jays or anything like that i actually seriously doubt it but yeah great for paxton be interesting to see what happens at the deadline here too and this has been a sneaky good career for james paxton obviously dealt with some injuries and some ups and downs but 61 and 34 with a 3.53 ERA over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. I'm looking here, I think it's 10 or 11 big league seasons. Mm-hmm. That Those are very solid numbers. And, and you know, obviously excited to see him, you know, return to his form that you kind of saw when he had with Seattle um, yeah. early in his career. But I'm feeling old because I remember him at Kentucky um, and he, now he's 34. So I, <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little bit old. He was obviously a fourth round pick of, of Seattle back in 2010. So, um, yeah, good to see him. Nick Pavetta now, on the other hand, he's kind of been in that swing role. He's been, you know, he started eight games, but he's also pitched in relief, came in in relief, I believe, over the weekend um, on Canada Day weekend. An up and down season, 4.92 ERA, but uh, another guy that bowed out of the World Baseball Classic a little bit late due to an injury. Um, but yeah, it's a pair, pair of uh, Red Sox, uh, you know, you get to see him quite often playing the Jays. 
Yeah, and you know, for for Pavetta, four ninety two ERA on the year. Interesting to note, you know, the last he's he's been in Boston for a while now. You forget this is uh, this will be his fourth season there. He went to Boston uh, in two thousand twenty. Shout out Victoria, BC, by the way. One thing I do have in common with a big league pitcher is we were both born in Victoria. Uh, but I yeah, forgot you know, about that. Here you go. Yeah. And, and Pavetta quietly 30 now as well. It feels like he kind of just started his career uh, again. Now, now we're both feeling old. His numbers certainly aren't this year, aren't as shiny as Paxton's are, but he's still effective for the Red Sox. And yeah, it is cool to see a couple uh, Canadian arms there and a good, uh, good story at a BC couple uh, BC arms. Yeah. Boston. And I, Pavetta just reminds me of a guy that's going to be in the big leagues for yeah. just, he's just always going to be there. He's going to be a fourth, fifth starter in the bullpen. Um, he's, he's, had better seasons in Boston than he did early in his career. Obviously, that's not necessarily surprising, mm-hmm. um, just given the fact that you know you get comfortable in the big leagues. But facing the Jays, I mean, it's it's always fun to watch Canadians face the Jays. But let's jump over to the AL Central and the Cleveland Guardians, uh, an organization that we know pretty well, having talked to Jacob Zibin, Miles Naylor. I threw this out there on Twitter. Okay, uh, MLB Pipeline has Miles Naylor ranked number fifty nine. For this upcoming draft, the Guardians have the 58th pick. <laughs> Brother Josh and Bo are on the go. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but your move, Cleveland. <laughs> I did not know that. That's a great connection to make there. Uh, yeah, that's really, really interesting. Obviously, what a story that would be one day if you have three nailers in the lineup. Already seeing two nailers in the lineup is crazy, Matt. Um, the success that Josh has had, obviously, um, you know, after moving around a little bit as a prospect and now really establishing himself in Cleveland and now Bo Naylor coming up and, you know, those great moments, I'm sure if you're a Canadian baseball fan, you've seen them online, those great moments of Bo Naylor getting his first home run and his brother, Josh, giving them a big hug afterwards and stuff like that is just great to see. Um, especially, you know, like just as a baseball fan, but especially as a Canadian baseball fan. Yeah. And I think the, the passion that Josh plays the game with, you know, you obviously we saw last year when he hit that home run off Cole and the rock and the baby, and that got under yeah. some people's skin, but I think that's just who he is. I mean, you watch him, he is genuinely excited to watch his brother play baseball. He's like a fan sitting there. He could be, he could just as well be sitting in the front row with a thing of popcorn, watching his brother play, cheering him on, uh, you know, 295 average. I think I heard him say the other day that he doesn't think he's played well enough to be an all-star. Mm. Well, I'm here to tell you that he definitely has. 10 home runs, 60 RBIs. He's fueled that Guardians offense uh, all season long as they stay in the hunt in a very bad AL Central. Vladdy also being an all-star. We didn't even mention that. You know, we got a couple all-stars we're talking about here uh, in Canada. And, and yeah, for Josh, obviously, um, having what is a pretty solid season, actually. Um, I didn't know this, actually. His career high is 20 home runs. He hit it last year. Uh, last year was really the first year he kind of was like healthy and and was sort of consistent, like staying and getting at bats in the bigs. And so it's good to see him continuing that this year and really building on that, it feels like. Um, and for Josh, I mean, I remember talking to Walt Burroughs and he was talking about how Josh is one of the best hitting prospects he's ever seen, right? One of the best hitting prospects ever to come from Canada. Um, I believe when he was drafted, he was the highest ever drafted Canadian. And so for him, you know, it's been a it's been an interesting journey, hasn't it, to the bigs. You know, he starts in San Diego. He was traded, of course, from Miami. Uh, he's moved around a bit. And now he's really found some success in Cleveland. It's great to see, you know, for a guy like him, yeah, he's going to be an all-star. That's that's interesting. But I want to see kind of how his second half goes. Cleveland themselves are um, haven't done the best this year. You know, can they maybe work their way, have a strong second half and get into that playoff push the way Cleveland always finds a way into 
that's a well-managed team over there. And I'd imagine that Naylor is a guy who really benefits from a good environment. That seems to be the case over there. And, and I think that uh, adding Bo and maybe adding another brother uh, of the Naylor's here uh, in the next week could be a really good way to continue that sort of Canadian uh, push out there in Cleveland that we see. Yeah. And I think all three nailers kind of had a, obviously a lot of hype. I mean, Josh was a first round pick. Bo was a first round pick. Maybe miles can sneak into the first round on Sunday. Um, who, who knows, but um, Josh was one of those players that, you know, every so often there's the guy you hear about, he's like 14, 15 years old. And, and he just has the hype of, you know, an all-star and, and Josh has really turned into that. It took maybe a little longer than you would have liked, although he's still only 26 years old. Uh, but yeah, this was a guy like, like Walt said, when they, they first took him down to team Canada, when Walt put that team together with uh, some younger players to play the junior national team, uh, go back and watch that episode. Walt has some great stories, but um, yeah, he just burst onto the scene. Everyone knew that this was probably in his future and now he's finally going out and doing it. It's, it's exciting to see. Yeah, and, and, you know, like his brother Bo, I mean, we talk about Josh, we can talk about Bo Naylor now as well. Uh, you know, two guys who, you know, really taken their opportunities in Cleveland and and built on them. We just talked about that with Josh, and now Bo is starting to do that. You know, I was wondering, though, early on in the season why he hadn't been called up. He was playing pretty well um, in AAA, and it finally does get his call up. And so we'll see what happens. Okay, he's only got 40 at-bats this year. He had his first home run, as I talked about, that nice moment. I believe that was in Kansas City. But yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Bo sticks a catcher. I think he will, and that'll be really cool to see. You know, I, I I think the biggest thing with Bo is like his hitting tool got him to the bigs, but also I think he's a pretty good catcher too. You see that move uh, that he had, that that <laughs> sort of reaching all the way back move that he had uh, the other day. You don't see that too often. Um, so he's clearly got some unique talent. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the future of Canadian baseball being bright. You know, Bo is only 23. Yeah. And to get to the big leagues at a premium position like catcher where you have to handle a big league pitching staff and he's done an admirable job so far. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing with the nailers, I think we saw it. I see it with Bo and Josh doing interviews. We've obviously spoke with Miles. Is how mature and ready they are for the bright lights that they're under. I mean, you you, you watch Bo and Josh do interviews on, on TV and – um, they just look so comfortable. They, they sound like biggers. They, they carry themselves like big leaguers. Miles did the same. He's you know 17 years old when he did the interview with us. And it, there's just a confidence and a maturity level that these, these brothers bring that just, you know, they're going to be successful. You see that, especially with Bo, right? Like it, it feels like, yes, all three of them, but like a good example is Bo, like a guy coming up, you're right. Is a 23 year old catcher, you know, on a team that really like Cleveland really prioritizes having, you know, good starting pitching, Terry Francona, you know, a legend, obviously, like being a catcher in that situation at first, I'm sure would be very intimidating. And you got to have really strong character and really be confident in yourself and be ready for that moment because handling a big league pitching staff, plus also, you know, needing to produce a little bit at the plate and, you know, dealing with the bright lights and all that that you mentioned, it's, yeah, you need to be a a very uh, certain type of person to deal with that. And Bo has done a fantastic job so far. Well, I think, you know, with a lot of these guys, you know, how about a battery of Cal Quantrill and Noah, or yeah. Noah Naylor? Um, you know, Quantrill struggled a little bit this year, had some injuries coming back from an injury. But, you know, Quantrill's only 28. It, it It's like ages in professional sports are like 15 years old. And you, you see a guy that's 28, you think he's so old. 
Yeah. He's 28 years old, mm-hmm. Cal Quantrill, you know, uh, and, and an established big leaguer. Obviously, an inflated ERA this year, like I said, de- dealing with some injuries and whatnot. But a 3.85 ERA is a career starting at Yankee Stadium last year against Garrett Cole um, in the playoffs. Like th- th- these are not just Canadians that are, like we said, are the first guy sent down. These are Canadians that are establishing themselves as difference makers in the big leagues, and Cal Quantrill was one of them. And in that series, like you talked about Josh Rocket's baby, Quantrill making a big start. Like that's kind of what I meant when I was talking a little while ago about Romano sort of having, he hasn't had that moment in the postseason yet, right? The way that those guys have on the big stage. Now playing the Yankees, it's it's always going to be a big stage, but yeah, like what a moment for Canadian baseball when Quantrill is opposing Cole in a big playoff game. When Josh Naylor, I know it didn't work out and all that, and he got mocked and, and, you know, he got booed pretty good. But as they say, you know, they don't boo nobody's. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I think that that was just such a cool thing for both of them. You look at Quantrill, though, his stats are really, really good, though, like prior to this year. Yes, it hasn't gone well for him this year, but starting pitching is so volatile. Right. Uh, especially this year. You look around. I mean, you could look in Toronto. <laughs> you could look in a lot of markets. Pitching has been funky, especially this year, I, fe- I, I find. Uh, but he rocked a 338 ERA last year in 186 in the third inning. The year before, a 289 ERA in 149 innings pitched. Like the guy can not only carry the load in the rotation and pitch a lot of innings, but pretty effectively too. Uh, what I like is he's got some nasty to him. Quantrill does. Like all these guys do. Like Naylor does too. Uh, they they're feisty, you know. And, they, have and the, they have high compete levels. That's, that's the word. That's the word. It, yeah, is how I would describe. And obviously, Cal with the bloodlines as well. Paul pitched. Mm-hmm. Many, many years in the big leagues. So I'm not worried about Quantrill. I mean, he's that compete level is going to get him back to where he was alone, I think. So obviously not the way it's going. he wants it to go, but um, I'm excited to watch him, you know, bounce back in the second half. And I just want to confirm here, I believe it is the case. Quantrill and Naylor were acquired in that same trade. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, it was the Clevenger trade. God, that was a big deal. So it's Gabriel Arias, uh, Austin Hedges, Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, and Joey Cantillo uh, to Cleveland for Greg Allen and Mike Clevenger. <laughs> what I a crazy Cleveland's, trade that was. I think Cleveland's very happy with that deal. Absolutely. That seems like a real slam dunk for them. Uh, and and really interesting to see both Quantrill and Naylor now succeeding from that. Uh, you never know kind of how those trades can kind of work out all the time, but it seems to have worked out for the both of them. And now a word from the baseball zone. Are you looking for a fun summer activity to keep your athlete active and hone their baseball skills? Keeping kids engaged all summer long can be a challenge, and it can be hard to find activities that have a lasting impact. With our full summer package of baseball clinics and camps, your child can get fit and have fun at the same time. Our experienced instructors will help them hone their skills and even pick up some new ones. We offer an unbeatable combination of physical training and a social atmosphere. With our one-of-a-kind approach, your child will gain confidence, improve their coordination, and build better throwing and hitting mechanics, all in a safe and fun environment. With our flexible scheduling, you won't have to worry about disruption to your summer plans. Sign up today and let us help your child become the all-star they've always dreamed of. Check out our website for our summer clinic and camp information at thebaseballzone.ca. You know what, let's jump around in the AL Central. Let's go to the Minnesota Twins and another set of teammates. You know, going through these this list of Canadian biggers, there's a lot of teammates on this. Yeah. You know, so if the Jays get eliminated from the playoffs or you're, you're looking for somebody else to root for, there's plenty of options as a Canadian baseball fan. 
the reason the Twins kind of, you know, piqued my interest, obviously Jordan Balazovic uh, made his big league debut this year. Edward Julian also made his big league debut this year. I thought Balazovic had a chance last year, and I actually thought Julian was going to be the first Canadian to make his big league debut this year. Uh, so, two, and then, again, two very young guys. You, you know, we talk all the time about the future of Canadian baseball. These are two guys who are going to have a big impact on it. Yeah, Belazovic from Mississauga, okay, and a guy who was drafted right out of high school has now finally made it to the big league level, and, and a guy who's a pretty highly toted prospect as well, a you know, guy who you think can stick in the rotation. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see how things go. I know he's primarily been kind of more of a, a bullpen piece thus far, but I think at one point he could possibly move to the rotation. I think that's likely the goal for him. But again, I mean, with a lot of these guys, we just talked about it with Rash, other guys too. I mean, you know, when's the right time to do that? Things like that. I think at some point he will get his opportunity. Um, but for, you know, I think for a guy like him, it's about being in the AL central, uh, you know, as a pitcher can be very beneficial. Obviously the the scheduling is a little different this year and stuff, but some big ballparks out there and uh, you know, a chance in Minnesota to really, I think, grab a role on a team that, you know, is, is likely going to contend for a playoff spot, right. Uh, is likely going to, well, they probably will win the division and, you know, a, a team that has a bright future. I think you just talked about it, not just like Canadians as a future, but like, you look around the Minnesota roster. Yes, Edward Julian's a big part of that, but other guys in other positions too. Like they're a team that if they continue to spend money, Belazovic is going to be in a good spot to really succeed. And I think that's something that's important, especially for a guy who uh, is trying to establish himself a little bit. And we were talking before we had jumped on air here, you know, he was challenged a little bit before the the season. He had that injury, um, had broken jaw, I believe. His mouth was wired shut. Rocco Baldelli, the Twins organization, did not seem happy about that. He was a he was a once highly, very highly touted prospect, mm-hmm. and he's answered the bell. He he got challenged a little bit before the season started, and it seems like he's uh, he's up to the challenge. So um, good to see, you know, a, another young another young Canadian arm that could fill out another potential World Baseball Classic rotation. Yeah, and again, add. like all these, like not all these guys will work out, right? Like maybe he'll flop, maybe he won't. You know, like. But you're so right. Like you start to see just more depth. Like even if like, you're right, like all these guys, yeah, not all of them will go to the World Baseball Classic, but just like you can tell now that the floor has been raised a lot. Let's say in the last five years, maybe maybe I could even say 10 years, but I'd say especially the last five years in terms of like Canadian baseball talent, in the bigs, you're seeing it. I think that this guy's a good example of it, right? A guy who, you know, is a fifth round pick at a high school. He's making it on a team that could very well go to the postseason, you know, we, and he also has another Canadian teammate and we're going to get to shortly. Like, it's just, we're seeing a lot more of this. And I think that that's really great for Canadian baseball. Yeah. And younger guys, I think at this year's world baseball class, we saw a lot of the, you know, the elder statesmen, especially in the bullpen, the older pitchers ushering in the new guys. These are the new guys. Now Hmm. Uh, we'll talk about Edward Julian right now. He kind of broke out and, and put his name on the map for a lot of baseball fans that aren't Canadian baseball fans at that world baseball classic gets called up and he's fitting in just fine for the Minnesota twins. Yeah. He's been awesome. Uh, you know, leading off for them too, against righties shown a good amount of pop five home runs and 122 at bats. Uh, he, he, he kicked off his, like when he debuted in the bigs earlier this season, he kicked it off in spectacular fashion. Like he hit the ground running. I think you're right. Like the world baseball classic, I think for a guy like him was super beneficial because he, he just was really hot. And he just kind of kept it going. And he is just turned 24. Okay. Here's a guy who 
you know, can, can really find a way. I think he'll find a way to stick in the bigs for a long time. We talk about some of these guys not working out. This guy, just, he has so many tools. He's fast, uh, really decent defensively. Now he doesn't play a premium position, but regardless, uh, left-handed hitter who can fly, like I said, and he's got a little bit of pop in that bat, right? He'll get on base a good amount. Like here's a guy who can do a lot of different things. Okay. Uh, seems like a pretty mature guy too. And it seems that Minnesota really is going to create some room for him here. Yeah, I think if he's a guy that can hit 20, 25 home runs and play a solid second base, he's going to he's gonna have a very nice career. Obviously, talking about you know the draft coming up, and uh, this guy was an 18th-round pick. So if the, in today's draft, that'd be the second to last round. There's only wow. 20 rounds in the draft now. So you know, out of Auburn, and I cover a lot of college baseball, as people know, it is so hard. The MLB draft might be the hardest to predict as far as who's going to pan out. I always, you know, he, he had a lot of pop when he was at Auburn good player did i expect him to turn into this you know probably not it's so hard to predict but he's definitely you know shown that you know he can put it up with consistency he can put up numbers with consistency and like you said i think this is going to be a guy that hangs around for a while and a guy who was taken out of college back and you're right like taken out of college in the 18th round in 2019 and i think one one thing i want to note quickly about minnesota seems that both of these guys they've really kind of taken their time to develop they're not going to rush them to the bigs getting taken out of college uh, that long ago. Yeah, that was pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. Long time ago now. Like, we see them really kind of taking their time developing these guys, not rushing them to the bigs in Minnesota, which, unlike some other organizations that, you know, that could actually harm a player, I think they've done a really good job with both of these guys developing, especially Julianne. You talked about how you, you didn't think he was going to turn to this. I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way as you, right? Um, and he's really, I, I bet you there's people in the Minnesota organization who didn't expect this to happen for an 18th round pick, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. He was a very, very, very sure. good college player. But it's just so hard to predict in baseball with, you know, back when there used to be 50 rounds, you, you know, it's, you know, if yeah. you're not a, a top prospect, it's really hard to know how that's going to translate into professional baseball. And obviously, he's just carried what he did at Auburn and he's carried it right through to his big league career. And, you know, it's going to be exciting to watch him go forward. And again, 24 years old, another, another young piece um, of the Canadian baseball picture. Yeah, like I said, a guy who I think will stick around for a long time. So get used to that name. So let's talk about arguably the most famous Canadian baseball player. And I love this guy, Joey Votto. I mean, how can you not be a Joey Votto fan? Yeah, he's uh, he's just such a character now. You know, I feel like his personality has really emerged in the last few years. Maybe it was longer than that. But I think early on in his career, he was a quiet, sort of serious. Now we see a little more kind of personality from him as he's gotten older and a little more laid back. You know, one highlight for me of last season was watching Votto, uh, you know, come back to Toronto, right, and and hit that home run in Toronto last year with the Reds. Um, there was a cool story in the Athletic. He uh, he went with the the Reds beat writer to visit his old house and had sort of like a homecoming moment. You know, he he was talking about his dad and and sort of like playing catch and his brother and stuff like that. And I think like that moment and him coming back to Toronto was really cool for Canadian baseball fans. And I think that you know, again, with him being in the National League, like we don't see him much. So for him to come up to Toronto and, and hit that home run and, and sort of uh, that hometown moment, I think was really, really cool. Here's a guy who's been around for, for a long time and put up such a good career. And we've already gone pretty long on this podcast. I don't know if you want to have the Hall of Fame debate. Like, is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not? You know, that's a great debate to have. He might be one of the best examples of a guy right on the cusp right now. Right yeah. now, now, a lot of people would say, no, he'll get in. A lot of people would say, well, you know, he needs to get more counting stats. You know, yes, he's got the MVP, but does he have this? Does he have that? 
personally, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. You, what, you see a guy like Larry Walker take so long to get in. Yeah. Um, I want to see him in. I, I I would. I think he is. Obviously, I probably have a little bit of bias in that. Um, just the length of the career. You know, you look at the overall stats. I won't read them all out, but I think it's good enough. Uh, good enough to get in the Hall of Fame. Good enough. That That's probably not the right way to put it. Um, 39 years old, but there's still some left in the tank here. Um, four home runs this year and 39 at-bats. The yeah. average is obviously down, but there's some underlying numbers that could probably counteract that. There's still some left in the tank, and I I really want the Reds to win the Central. I'd love to see him back in the postseason. Um, not to be too much of a fan, but I think that would be really cool to see a guy like Ellie De La Cruz in the postseason and Votto, you know, kind of two ends of the spectrum. So I think that would be really cool. They're a fun team right now, the Reds. They're like that fun story right there's always that team that kind of comes out of nowhere in any sport but you know and if we look at baseball and the reds are just that team they're young they're fun but they do have some guys like Votto who've been around for a long long time and um you know it's just an on-base machine in, and, in and 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 that nl central is up for grabs so that's Ooh. definitely within it's gonna be interesting to see what some of those teams do at the deadline i hope the reds are, are buyers which i think they will be especially the reds like you said like with the with ownership that probably wasn't expecting to spend uh, as much as uh, maybe they might need to, or maybe make those moves. But yeah, for a guy like Votto, I think coming off injury as well, right? We'll be interested to see kind of as he can can kind of hit his stride over the course of the summer, and and really help that team potentially continue to to push their way towards a playoff spot. Votto has, you know, you look at you do look at some of the counting stats, like he's 346 home runs, right? A guy who's over 2,000 hits, okay, a career 296 average in 17 years. But here's the thing that gets me: his on-base percentage, career on-base percentage, 412. That is insane for a guy who's played that long. It speaks to, um, I think, why he's been able to play for so long because he has he's a great eye at the plate, but he just gets on base. Um, and of course, you know, in the prime of his career, he was hitting a lot too. You know, he was just he was doing everything. But I think that's a reason that he's been able to stay around for so long is he continues to get on base in addition to the kind of person he is and the kind of vet he is in the room. Well, I think the the amazing part of it, and this doesn't go anywhere towards Hall of Fame status, but he's done it all with the Reds. There's yeah. something to be said about that. There is. Um, a guy sticking. That just doesn't happen very often no. anymore in professional sports in general with money and different inner dynamics of teams and how they handle their players nowadays. Yeah. You don't see that very often anymore. A guy sticking around one city for that long kudos for that as well well especially for a guy who it's not like he's from there right he's from toronto like he's not he doesn't have some sort of deep connection you know he just i think what it was is that you know it's it's a sense of loyalty obviously but i think he he's really liked the organization from the get-go right you yeah. you hear about the the story of him getting signed where you know they brought him out to the park and he was just he was just mashing balls off the wall mashing balls out from the left side and it's like where did this guy come from right yeah. and then the great story of them so i think part of it was like them believing in him early on uh in his career and then i think just it is a unique story especially for a guy who won an mvp right like he you'd think a guy who won an mvp in a small market who isn't from there will leave at some point and he I didn't and i think you're right that speaks to his legacy and maybe it's not a hall of fame thing but i think it just speaks to the the sort of the name of Joey Votto and how you think of him. Yeah. And I mean, they, they've been in the playoffs. They've, they've made the playoffs in his, yeah. in his career, but they've also been very bad in his career. Yeah. So a, a guy with that much value not to be dealt um, or want out even behind the scenes to say like, Hey, like I'd like to play for a contender. So obviously never won a world series, but yeah, again, I just think that kind of plays into his legacy as a player. 
So now let's jump to another central team, the Chicago Cubs and Jared Young with his first big league home run uh, a few days ago against the Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, making your debut at, uh, at Wrigley Field, hey, like how special must that be? Um, and, and for a guy in Jared Young, who we talked about, you know, in our World Baseball Classic preview show, we're like, yeah, this uh, this Cubs prospect, yeah, 27 seemed kind of like an afterthought, to to be honest with you. And, and he's found his way back to the bigs after a cup of coffee last year. And um, whether or not he sticks, I mean, he's not in, in a very short sample size. He's got some some pretty sweet numbers. Um, he's rocking his 647 slug right now. I don't think that that's necessarily sustainable, but it's pretty cool. Again, a good story. Um, he's from Prince George, so another BC uh, success story. And uh, yeah, a guy who can hit for some power. A guy who can play a couple different positions. Um, you know, a Cubs team that's not great. Um, so he's going to get some opportunity, uh, especially after the deadline. He will like, hopefully, you know, he can continue to stick up at the, at the big league level. Um, in fact, I'm going to Chicago in a few weeks and I may very well see him play. That will be a, a cool moment for me if he does. But yeah, I, I think a, a guy who, you know, is, is sort of trying to make his mark in the bigs and hopefully can just try to stay at the level. Yeah. I mean, you say, uh, you know, a guy that kind of popped onto the scene. So obviously I, I cover him in college, went yeah. to Old Dominion. But when he got called up, it was like, I completely forgot about Jared Young. And I feel like I, I follow ba- Canadian baseball just about as closely as anyone. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about him. And then he, he kind of comes on the scene. Obviously, only 36 career games, but nice to see him have some success. And again, another guy that represented Canada. Um, so we always have time for for guys like that on the, sh- on the show. Absolutely. He's in our good books. And, and you know, a guy who is a bit of a – I wouldn't know if you call him a prospect anymore, obviously, in terms of like service time. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's – approaching age 28 okay he turns 28 on july the 9th so um you know a guy who will probably play if he's going to stay in the bigs probably be under team controlled throughout his prime um and so a guy who maybe will be in chicago for a bit depending on kind of how things go and you know an example of a guy who i think just you talk about being under the radar you know i take a look at his minor league numbers here like it's it's a, it's a pretty big long list right he's but he's been consistent you know, and I think a guy who maybe his his numbers haven't always been there, but clearly there's something else to his game that they like. Yeah, and another teammate of another Canadian in mm-hmm. Jamison Tyone. Big on. Not having a great season this year, you know, inflated ERA, but uh, born in the Woodlands, Texas. Um, but his parents, now I'm drawing a blank of where his parents are from. Anyways, has Canadian ties. Yeah, just another Canadian, another another interesting story, another set of teammates. Um on a big league roster, which is, seems to be a theme of this show. I, uh, I find that with Tyone, it's really an interesting case, isn't it? Like he, he's a Canadian American. Um, if you recall his, his draft, he was the second overall pick in that yeah. draft with, I think Harper went first and I think Machado went third. Uh, here, I'm yeah. just going to confirm that 2000. 2010. ML- two, yeah. 2010 MLB draft. I got it here. So Harper goes one, uh, Tyone two, Machado three, Christian Cologne goes fourth and Drew Pomeranz goes fifth. Uh, one other guy to note, Chris Sale goes 13th to the White Sox. A couple other guys in there too, Matt Harvey, Grandall. But like, yeah, a guy who was a high pick and struggled with injuries, right? Through the good chunk of his early career. Well, not only an injury, but he had a cancer scare. Exactly. Um, testicular cancer it was. And uh, it's so always nice to see guys bounce back like that. Very good career though. You know, 53 mm-hmm. and 41, 4.07 ERA. 1.24 whip he's thrown 851 in the third inning so a guy that's stuck around and an established guy again 31 seems old sometimes 
not old at all. I mean, I'm 31. I don't feel old. <laughs> there you go. And, and a guy who, like you said, has been through a lot and has found a way to still get to the bigs and put up a pretty respectable career, right? You know, and he's been around a little bit, right? In Pittsburgh, uh, he was he was solid. But then when he goes to the Yankees, he had some success and enough where he could warrant getting a pretty sweet deal from the Cubs. Hasn't gone well for him this year. Um, but again, pitch, starting pitching has been very volatile this year, as in many other years. And he's locked in for a few years here. So on a pretty sweet deal, four years, 68 million that he got last offseason. And a guy who, great story. Really got to like this story of a guy who was a second overall pick, struggles, has his injuries, has the cancer scare, as you mentioned, turns it around and puts up a pretty solid career, gets a big contract with the Cubs. It's just, it's a really good story, isn't it? You know, the, the NL Central is very Canadian heavy. I, you know, I don't want to talk too much about Abraham Toro, only eight at bats this year, but another guy that represented Canada at the World Baseball Classic. So, yeah, again, the, the NL Central is uh, very Canadian. Yeah, Toro, a guy who has been around for a minute now. Right. Playing in a couple of different markets, Houston, Seattle, now Milwaukee, you know, getting to be a bit of a journeyman. He doesn't hit a ton. All right. Um, and that's, you know, his bat has kind of sort of prevented him from staying at the big league level. Right. But his defense is really good. Uh, he can play at second. He can play at third. You know, and he's look, he's only 26. So he's still got a, <laughs> hopefully a big career ahead of him. Again, like, you know, a guy who already has two years of service time, but will likely continue to get opportunities because of the defense and because um, he's a switch hitter and he has some versatility there. Only 26. That's some of these ages are just like mind boggling. And I remember covering him in college too, went to Seminole state junior college and, you know, he hit there and there's a few Canadians on that team and, and he's been one of the ones to make it to the big leagues. So, you know, I've always fun to see Abraham Toro. I saw him, you know, when he was with the Tigers and uh, Verlander's no hitter in Toronto coming up big. They're sorry, Houston. Right. Houston. Sorry, I, I Verlander's thrown a couple in Toronto, so get them confused. Yeah, when he was in Houston, big part of that. And you saw Verlander give him a shout out for that as well. But sticking in the central, Tyler O'Neill, and it has just been a disaster in St. Louis this season. Well, and and if you recall the start of the year, Matt, like we didn't, we haven't talked about it on or off the air. Uh, him getting called out by his manager early on in the season. It's really just felt like in St. Louis from the get-go, it's just been a total pile of you-know-what uh, from the get-go. Contreras, the way he's been treated there. Um, O'Neal. Now, who knows what the hell's going on behind the scenes there? It feels like in St. Louis, it's a good example of a lot more under the hood, maybe. Jordan but, Walker getting sent down. Right. Like, it just... They, they want him to put the ball in the air. Like, I, yeah, it's just been just a nonstop... There's stories out of St. Louis that are not favorable to the organization. It's been the uh, it's been really tough, and there are you know a couple of Canadian ca- connections there. Of course, Stubby Clapp as well is there, and um, yeah, and, and tough for an organization that has been so good. You know, like one of the flagship organizations of Major League Baseball over the last however many years, a long, 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 long time. Like they never do this. This is the opposite of what they would be. You know, like the Cardinals forever have been a you know they make the right choices with player development. They make the right choices with signings, you know, and then they 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 don't have these these big like disputes in public. You know, they would keep all that stuff behind the scenes. It just feels very messy this year. And uh, I think O'Neill has sort of been a victim of that. You know, a guy who like when you look back to 2021, right, he finished eighth in MVP voting. Right. Yeah. A guy who hit 34 home runs, 912 OPS, and he's dealt with injuries and other things. But this year has just been a total tire fire. You know, Matt, like you got to wonder if a guy like him might move on at some point via trade. Right. If it's not working out, it seems like he could be a trade candidate for sure. 
Yeah. And, and I think again, another guy that represented Canada at this past world baseball classic. So obviously a proud Canadian, but I think the Cardinals are, are just waiting yeah. for 2023 to end. I mean, they're, I think they're 10 and a half games back in the central being 10 and a half games back in the central NL central is like being 30 games back in the AL East. So the last Canadian on our list, and this might be my favorite story um, of the year is Mike Soroka. Um, obviously twice hurting his Achilles um, long layoff finally made his way back. And I think some people forget that how good this guy was um, and is obviously one and one with a, a lady or a fit only 15 innings this year, but this guy was top of the rotation for a very good Braves team, you know, prior to the injury. Yeah. In 2019, at the age of 21, he put up a 268 ERA and 174 and two thirds. Like, yeah, he was a monster that season. And, and you sort of, you don't realize he was 21 when he put up that season. And, yeah. and you just hope that he can find, I mean, you're right. It's such a great story. You hope that he can find a way maybe back to close to that level, regardless if he ever gets to there again. Just the story of him coming back from what has been, let's be honest, Matt, a brutal injury. Uh, you know, one that, you know, like no athlete ever wants to get that kind of injury, right? And and hopefully it doesn't derail his career. Was always a highly touted prospect, right? First round pick and all that at a high school, but like he comes on the scene in Atlanta and, and he just, he's again, a good example of this, a, a good program with strong development, sort of like I would say St. Louis has been uh, for a long time. Like I was just talking about Atlanta is now that organization where they're just, they're, they're just churning out a lot of great talent and Soroka, a great example of that. Yeah. And I think, like we said, another young guy, 25 years old. So he's still got a, obviously still a long road back coming back from injury like that. But uh, I, 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 ask fans not to be too hard on them because it is a, you know, it takes time to come back from these things. You see some guys come back from shoulder injuries, elbow injuries, and that takes some time. This was a major injury that he, that he happened twice. Um, I think he gets back to form. And if they do, the Braves are, that's a scary looking team. If they can add him into the mix as well. A guy who one day you could see genuinely as like uh, an ace of yeah. a staff, but more than that, like a guy who could be Canada's number one starter, potentially in a world baseball classic, given his age and just given everything it feels like if he can stay healthy and hopefully this injury, I just hope he doesn't re-injure anything. You know, I hope that he can really move forward now and you do cheer for a guy like this. Who's been through that much. Yeah, of course. And, and we talk about a future ace and, We've talked about the World Baseball Classic many a time. So let's just recap to finish off here. What could be at the next World Baseball Classic? You have a rotation of Quantrill. You have Paxton, if he if he ages well. Uh, Soroka. Soroka, Tyone. Tyone. You look at a bullpen of Romano, Pop, Balazovic, Pavetta. Uh, pa- I mentioned Pop already. So... Uh, you look at the lineup, you're looking Brash. at Bo Naylor yeah. and Brash. I, I completely forgot about Brash. There's your closer. Um, you look at the lineup, you got Naylor, Julian, other Naylor, O'Neill. You know, there's a lot to like here. Um, Votto, who knows? Maybe the ageless wonder, Joey Votto. Maybe he'll stick around. Jared Young. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to be excited about, about Canadian baseball. Uh, going forward and even a guy like freddie freeman who represents canada i know he's you know he like we didn't talk about him because he is american and he he does represent canada at the world baseball classic um but you know another guy right who who is Fre- freeman would be the was the best hitter in that that lineup that we saw for canada although he, of course he got hurt at the world baseball classic but yeah like a lot of all of a sudden, all of a sudden you start to look at this lineup but especially the pitching staff 
The biggest thing, Matt, is just the participation, right? You're hoping a lot of these guys buy in. But even if not, like I just like I was talking about earlier with the floor, it feels like even if not all these guys go, even if enough of them do, you yeah. still have a lot of quality there because of that. I mean, they were missing a lot of guys this past Pro Baseball yeah. Classic and still put up a heck of a performance. Um, but you got a full rotation, essentially, half a bullpen and an, almost an entire lineup of not just big leaguers, but guys that have contributed on the big league level. And there's other guys too that we didn't even get to, right? Like Charles LeBlanc for Miami at AAA this year. Okay. He's got an OPS in the 700s. Uh, I'm not sure what, what it's going to look like for him moving forward. There's uh, their infield in Miami is pretty good. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you got Luis Arise who's chasing uh Teddy baseball. So, you, and the few other guys in, in Miami that are making Rob's it difficult. Rob Zestrinsky and yeah. Pittsburgh who pitched it for Canada, the World baseball classic. He's been up with the pirates this year. Another uh, another good honorable mention and Rowan Wick as well, who this year has had a very uh, bad year at uh, AAA, but you know pitching is volatile. He's put up a pretty good career in that Chicago bullpen. So a lot of guys even beyond the big league level who uh, could factor in at some point this season for their clubs. We'll see. Yeah, and uh, you know we talk about the future of Canadian baseball. The next time you'll hear from us will be a post draft. Uh, episode of the Canadian Baseball Network podcast. Some exciting, some exciting guys. Another nailer. Gonna hear his name called. So we'll have that all wrapped for you in the next episode. We thank you for joining us. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And the Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college, and youth baseball players.